When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big this summer with great deals, all in the Kroger app. Get red, green, or black juicy seedless grapes for $1.88 per pound with your card and a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free delicious 12 packs of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. When you rely on the Internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on Internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. 
Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. by an interesting guest we've had him on before matthew stevens of ravens wire matthew how you doing i'm doing fantastic excited to get back to football yeah i can't believe it's really almost here <laughs> and uh you know one of the things that kept us going this offseason was it was a draft you know held under you know deep covid uh concerns at the time uh and those players now have have been to camp they haven't been to otas they've been to ota zoom meetings and now it's a question of who's going to make the roster and whatnot. Uh, Ravens obviously have a pretty good historical record of keeping their draft picks on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baltimore, you know, tends to not make too many mistakes in that area, and they give those guys a pretty wide berth, certainly early on in their rookie seasons, to to develop into something better. Okay, and that's kind of normal because players, as I look at it, always have that four-year declining option you get on a player, so you draft someone. They have their most, if you want to call it, potential energy they ever do. And they may have the lowest kinetic, or they may be a decent amount of kinetic energy. But anyway, they've got a lot of potential uh, value you still want to harvest from them. And looking back, the Ravens really haven't cut anyone, I don't believe. And I'm trying to go back. The last guy, I believe, was Keenan Reynolds in 2016 that they actually cut and didn't send to IR. So it's been a few years. So big group, big class of Ravens draft pick. Fortunately, a couple extra roster spots this year or, or uh, uh, you know, extra practice squad spots and extra uh, roster game day activations. Let's talk about who makes the team. Well, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, really the guys within the first three rounds are, are absolute locks. I mean, Baltimore uh, tends to not move on from those guys, as you mentioned before, they don't move on from very many draft picks to begin with, but guys in the first three rounds, uh, again, are usually given that wide berth if, if they're not going to become impact players immediately they're given a year or two to kind of uh, uh develop into it or, or become high high caliber depth uh so patrick queen in the first round jk dobbins in the second uh justin metabuke uh devin duvernay uh, malik harrison and uh, tyree phillips are kind of in my book a hundred percent chance. I mean, they're, they're going to make this team. It's just a matter of, are they going to start? How much are they going to play if they don't start? Uh, and exactly what are their role is, is going to be on the offense and defense. Okay. Well, it's, I, I agree. All those guys are a hundred percent and the Ravens haven't ever, I don't believe cut a third round or higher draft pick. I'm not even sure if they've cut a four. I really have to go. I know they've cut a five. Yeah. Uh, no, they did cut a four in Oh one. They cut running back. What was the guy's name is Chris Barnes. He's a five. So they, they uh, and they cut Snacks Myers, who I believe was a five also in I want to say 2015, but uh, yeah, he was. So those are the two that I can recall. I'd really have to go back to see if there are others. Let's talk about the role though for those first three rounds of draft pick and where you see them playing this year. How about Patrick Queen? What do you see? Well, I think you know as a first round pick, he's he's kind of being designated as the starter. Uh, he's going to be the, the the main guy in the middle of that defense. Now Baltimore tends to run a lot of nickel. They tend to run a lot of coverage heavy options so uh two linebackers might not necessarily be on the field all the time they tend to switch that out with guys like anthony levine or, or they'll, they'll slide a safety down uh to, to play that kind of coverage linebacker role while, while queen will take the uh kind of front and center and be the the leader of that front seven as it were 
Um, so that's kind of what I expect him to do. I, I expect him to to uh, get uh, the, the most snaps out of this unit and just be a little bit of everything. Be the guy that's going to cover tight ends, be the guy that's going to cover running backs, and of course be your, your primary run stopper uh, as a linebacker scraping down and, and making plays on that front. Yeah, I think that that's part of the, you know, what we've heard about this is that he's going to be a guy who uh, uh, will be there on every down. And it kind of makes sense to have that guy. And one of the questions that's kind of interesting is, do you force him to learn two positions? Because Malik Harrison is maybe a more natural two down run stopping Mike player as opposed to a will. I don't think there has to be a lot of distinction between those two, but there is some differences in terms of what they're learning and and uh, and maybe you you have two positions that he learns. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, you know, there's uh, coming into the draft and even immediately after the draft, I know a lot of people wanted to kind of peg those two guys as two very different players. And, you know, they are in some capacity, but uh, uh, Malik Harrison is, is underrated as a, as a cover guy. Uh, and Patrick Queen is kind of underrated as a run stuffer as well. So both of those guys, I think, can do both those things really well. But you're right. They, they do kind of maybe slot into their roles a little bit better uh, as the early down linebacker for Malik Harrison and a late down linebacker for Patrick Queen. All right. Um, you were, you're absolutely correct about the Ravens not playing a lot of inside linebacker snaps in total. They only played 1,281 last year. Uh, as I count them in 964 scored or real snaps, we'll call it that way, uh, 1.33 inside linebackers per snap. So you draft two inside linebackers. I guess we expect increased nickel usage since they played the most dime they ever had last year, diamond quarter combined at 42.2%. I think there's a good chance that that, that that increases and creates some more opportunity in total for inside linebackers. But we do have a veteran sitting in there, you know, Fort, that uh, LJ doesn't seem to be getting a lot of love. And yet as a player who played pretty well last year. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think in my book, what I kind of have him being is that uh, uh, late down guy that can either sub out with uh, Patrick Queen or can kind of be the lead into uh, Malik Harrison. So that way you're not necessarily relying on two rookies having to play uh, significant downs. You've got a veteran and Baltimore loves kind of keeping a veteran guy in, in each one of their spots, each in each position on an effort to kind of. A as insurance, and then B to, to as an on-field mentor of sorts. So I kind of see Fort being that type of a role, uh, very similar to what Willie Sneed is kind of for the for the wide receivers to a certain degree. Um, so he might not get a ton of playing time comparatively, but he's the guy who early on in the season will kind of be the the lead guy between him and Harrison in my book. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Let's move on to the second round pick, J.K. Dobbins. I think everybody agrees he's going to play a fairly significant role in the offense. What would you expect? What would be your goals out of the 2020 season for J.K. Dobbins? Well, what I initially expected out of Dobbins was for him to, uh, a la Jamal Lewis, kind of his rookie season, he had Priest Holmes starting. Uh, but as the course of the season went on, Jamal became just a, a more fearsome back. Obviously, he learned a little bit more of what to do on third downs, whether it be receiving out of the backfield, whether it be uh, pass blocking, those small things that, that, you know, a lot of college running backs aren't great at coming out uh, into the NFL. As he kind of learns those things, I expected him to maybe supplant uh, Ingram uh, over the course of the season for that kind of starting role, at least for the bulk of the snaps. 
though it seems like, you know, recent talk out of John Harbaugh says eh, maybe they might split things a little bit more evenly in week one than I expected them to. Uh, but I do expect him to kind of uh, spell Ingram throughout the season regardless uh, as just to kind of keep him fresh. And then also to do a lot of those third down duties, again, help keep Ingram fresh, help keep him from having to take in a bunch of those hits, both as a pass blocker and as a receiver out of the backfield. But uh, uh, kind of interchangeable uh, in, in my mind as of right now between Ingram and Dobbins. Right. That our opinion on that may change as the year goes on. We'll see. But uh, but Dobbins certainly comes with a great resume. He's also a guy with a lot of tread wear coming out of Ohio State. So I don't know. Uh, you know, how the Ravens, I mean, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. He's obviously durable. It's a bad thing in terms of, hey, he's taken a lot of hits already in his young life um, going into this uh, rookie deal. So um, that'd be my only fear about him. He's he's otherwise, I think he's probably gives the Ravens a little bit more as a receiver than Ingram does, though Ingram was pretty good there last year. And uh, as a runner, he could be a lot better. Uh, But Ingram's still, you know, very serviceable tackle breaking back who does very well in this system and extremely well with the mesh concept itself. Yeah, exactly. And I I think really when we start talking about the the four running backs and what their workload looks like, a lot of it really is dependent on how much Lamar Jackson runs this season. And Baltimore's been a little coy about that. They've kind of dipped in both directions on kind of what they see happening there. So uh, obviously if, if Lamar Jackson gets as many running attempts as, as he did last year, you know, you're not going to have as many uh, carries for these running backs. Vice versa, if Jackson stays in the pocket a lot more and we don't see him uh, running the ball, then, of course, you you know, having four running backs and being able to kind of cycle them out, depending on A, matchup, and then B, just keeping everybody fresh uh, for the playoffs, is certainly uh, in line for, for what Baltimore, I think, wants to do this year especially. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have the luxury with four to make three in terms of running backs. I think it's I think they have four guys they could trust to have a workload in a game that they can take the most dinged up guy and have him sit a week. And, you know, if that's Mark Ingram some weeks, that's going to be okay. If that's J.K. Dobbins some weeks, that's going to be okay. And, And just kind of keep all four horses somewhat healthy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not great for your fantasy teams, but uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, when we look at what happened last year in the playoffs, uh, guys a little dinged up. Uh, Baltimore doesn't want to have that happen again, and and they were so close last year. Why not make sure that uh, you, you're you're ready to roll come uh, the divisional round this year? All right. So the third round pick, Justin Matabike, was was one of the really great value picks. I thought. Um, you know, they they. I had him going in the second round. I think he was my second best of the five guys. I had a second round grade in on the defensive line. Definitely a good move for the Ravens to get younger there. He comes into an extremely veteran defensive line here with Wolf and Campbell. Ellis is 30 and, and Williams, of course, is 30 or 31, whatever he is now. But four guys over 30. Um, where do you see him getting or where do you see him fitting in in terms of number of snaps this year? I don't expect it to be a lot. I mean, as you mentioned, you, you, you brought in Calais Campbell, you brought in Derek Wolf, you already have Brandon Williams. You're pretty well stocked at, as the starters, but you do want guys to rotate in. And Baltimore uh, certainly does that, uh, I think, as well as anyone in the league or as any team in the league. Um, so I expect him kind of to spell uh, maybe Brandon Williams a little bit over the course of the season, maybe Derek Wolf as well. Uh, he, he's got some upside as a pass rusher. He's a big guy, so he's able to still go ahead and stuff the run. So I think 
you know, ultimately that's the role for him this year. But but in my mind, Matabuke is kind of the long-term option. He's the guy that in a year or two is going to be starting on this team. So you want to ease him into the lineup now, see what he's got, let him develop trial by fire, as it were, uh, and keep your, your older guys fresher. Because uh, I think uh, the last time I looked, Baltimore has like three guys that uh, aren't under contract or under contract beyond right. 2021. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a long-term focus for, for these defensive tackles this year. Yeah. They really needed to get younger, both with, with, with Washington and Matabike and uh, Washington wasn't my guy, but Matabike is an excellent choice to, to start getting younger there at a position where they've, they've allowed themselves to get old. They also have to transfer money in, in cap from defense to offense with the new contracts coming up. Humphrey is on the defensive side, still needs to book up, but the mega deal for Jackson is looming. And, uh, you know, Stanley's going to get paid. Uh, Andrews is, is uh, coming near term. So that, those will all be money that needs to be shifted to the offense from the defense. And a lot of that's going to come from the defensive line. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's the wise decision for them to make. They've, they've always been great drafting young defensive talent uh, and developing those guys into big name players versus offense where they've tended to, to uh, go after free agents and, and older guys in an effort to kind of make up the difference. It seems like the, the philosophy on this team is changing, uh, certainly with having Lamar Jackson as a superstar quarterback is, is going to affect that. But absolutely, t- take some of that money out of the defensive line and put it towards your, your offense, which has kind of been the focus. All right, uh, Devin DuVernay, probably John Harbaugh showed the most excitement with that draft pick during the, during the actual event. And uh, yeah, he was pumping his fist and excited they got him at number 92. A uh, little higher than he was on a lot of other consensus boards, I'll say, but uh, certainly you like to see that they're happy with the player they took. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, coming into the draft process, I know DuVernay, uh, one of the comps that I, I heard repeatedly was uh, uh, Steve Smith. And it, it makes sense, you know, a guy with, with good speed uh, can go ahead and make plays down the field, but just physical, has a chip on his shoulder and is willing to go ahead and drive a guy uh, uh, 10 yards if he needs to, both as a blocker and, you know what, just just getting in the way. Uh, which is nice to see. So, uh, you know, certainly that seems to be kind of, in my mind, where they're going to head with him. Uh, but it's interesting to see how they're going to go ahead and throw him in there with, you know, James Prochet, who's a later round pick we'll talk about here shortly. As we well talk as, about him right now, if you want to just jump in, because what I was going to ask you, you was, how about a target number for each of those guys? Give me a target number for oh, Devernay and Prochet. Uh, I actually expect... Well, I don't know. I, I want to say that Prochet is going to have more uh, targets. Uh, I, I think he's been – he certainly showed a lot in training camp. He, he's uh, – in, in talking to his wide receiver coach um, through the offseason, the, the guy that's been training him, David Robinson, uh, spoke very, very highly of Prochet and, and said that a lot of people are underrating him, A, because of that injury that he had in college, and, and B, they just don't see him as being necessarily as fast as he really is on the field. I kind of see Prochet maybe doing better, but at the same time, you know, as a sixth round pick versus a third round pick, Baltimore tends to favor the 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 uh, higher rated guy on that front. And if Prochet is getting the the snaps uh, as the return specialist, that's that's going to interfere with that a little bit more. So, uh, I, I'm going to say 35 for Duvernay and, and maybe 15 for Prochet. They're going to keep the, the workload maybe maybe a little light for those guys while you lean on Willie Sneed in the final year of his contract. Okay, I, I, I agree 
in in principle and then in, in approximate value for both of those i was thinking 30 and 10 so uh i think you're pretty much right on the money with that let's let's move on then uh since we agree on those and tyree phillips the last pick of the third round for the ravens at number 106 uh was unexpected to say the least uh a guy that a lot of people had uh lower but a guy the Ravens saw, hey, we got a guy with great length here. Maybe we can make a guard out of him, even though he's been a left tackle at Mississippi State. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think a lot of people maybe uh, uh, didn't like this pick because he, he is a tackle. But when you look at Baltimore's depth at tackle, that's that's a concern. I mean, Andre oh, yeah. Smith opted out, so that doesn't help anything. But even if he didn't, Andre Smith was the only, quote-unquote, tackle this team actually had behind Ronnie Stanley and and Orlando Brown Jr. Now, while Jr. has uh, hasn't missed a game that he that he's been a starter as, Ronnie Stanley's regularly missed a game or two every single season. So you, you need a guy to be able to replace that, uh, even if it comes in a bad game uh, or, or a, a good matchup for Baltimore. It's still the the losing your left tackle for a game or two can can be the difference between a win and a loss for sure on this offense. So having him as a backup tackle is is great. That versatility is fantastic. But you know he's also appears to be in the mix for the right guard job. Despite uh, I I did not expect that. I expected it really to be Fluker uh, his job, barring him absolutely losing it and tanking, which he hasn't done throughout training camp. So the fact that they're even considering him at right guard really shows the the value that they think they have in him as a player right now. I guess two things about that. The first is that I think they're very veteran. Um, leaning in terms of who gets the job starting off. So obviously James Hurst getting the job so off over Orlando Brown made absolutely no sense a couple of years ago. So so it wouldn't surprise me if Fluker gets the job. Also, a lot of the things Fluker did this offseason were really at a high level in terms of his commitment, recommitment, I'll say, to football. He's been a guy who's, who's been in some steady decline since he came into the league in terms of his ability and, and, and what he's produced on the field. But, uh, but this is good. It was good to see him at age 29 really decide, Hey, I got to make a commitment myself this off season. In terms of left tackle, the other point you made is that I don't think Tyree Phillips is going to be playing left tackle. I, you know, in watching his game at Mississippi state, he just does not seem to have the feet for it to me. The guy that I think they're going to give the job to and, and make the roster spot for is um, uh, Will Holden, who's, the only guy, as far as I know, that's played any left tackle in the NFL other than Ronnie Stanley. So they had they have five guys who played power five left tackle. One other guy, Ainger, who played at Cincinnati, non-power five left tackle. McCary, you know, obviously is in that group of power five people. They don't have anybody else who's played actually in an NFL regular season game other than Will Holden, and that's scary. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think that's that's a great point uh, in, in terms of, of the experience there. Uh, it, it would not shock me if as, as roster cuts start coming down, if maybe Baltimore grabs a guy that uh, a veteran guy that, that ends up getting cut somewhere else and slaps him in there as a backup for a low cost guy. Uh, because, I mean, Will, Will Holden, while, while solid, he's done well throughout his league, uh, throughout his career, certainly not a guy that I think Baltimore would yeah. feel a ton of confidence putting in their left tackle to protect their their you know eventual half a billion dollar quarterback. Yeah. I, I want to be just clear about this because I like to call a spade a spade. He has played very poorly at left tackle when he's been in the NFL. He's been released seven times. He's now on his playing for his seventh organization. He's released twice by the Cardinals. Uh, this is not a guy that we should have any expectations of. He's, it's his fourth year in the league and, and he's 
at this point. I think it would be the best thing, obviously, is Stanley never gets hurt and we don't have to deal with it. But but Holden, I think, still might be the best option despite all of these negative things. Now, they could move Orlando Brown over, too. That'd be another possibility, that, and it might happen. But the Ravens have shown in recent years, and particularly last year, um, a desire to make one-for-one -one changes so they don't lose the line integrity for a lot of their complex run schemes. Yeah, exactly. And while the it would make sense to move Orlando Brown Jr. over to left tackle in that case, and then maybe Fluker over to right tackle, and then you slap in Tyree Phillips or, or Tyree Phillips over to right tackle. Uh, like you mentioned, that now you're starting to shuffle the entire offensive line around, and Baltimore hates doing that. They, Like you mentioned, they'd much rather have a plug-and-play option that, that they can go ahead and do that with. So uh, Holden, as far as you mentioned, uh, seems to be the only guy that really can be that plug-and-play left tackle. Uh, but at the same time, maybe maybe Phillips is a guy that they've been kind of eyeing up this offseason as well to do it. it. It'll be interesting if it happens, and hopefully it doesn't. Knock on wood, Ronnie Stanley is able to stay healthy. He's a warrior, but man, he, he really has missed time just every year in terms of whether it's a few plays and then coming back or a couple of games, which just seems to be, um, you know, the more common thing. Okay, number number fourth round pick Ben Bredesen, coming a year after fourth round pick Ben Powers. You know, in terms of having another offensive line in that spot and the guard, in fact, in that spot, Bredesen played a lot of guard, obviously at Michigan, left guard. Uh, they had Cesar Ruiz at center there, but Bredesen, I think some of what the Ravens are looking to the future for is, is he Matt Skura's replacement or is he another backup center for this line? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I see him as as well. I mean, certainly he, he's a guy who can play guard right now. You can plug him in there right right this minute. But Matt Skura is, is on a one-year deal as a restricted free agent. He's coming off a major knee injury. You've got uh, Makari behind him, who's an undrafted free agent. And while he played well in Skura's stead last year, uh, you don't necessarily want to rely on an undrafted free agent in his second year if Skura goes down. So Bredesen, in my mind, kind of seems to be the backup center as of right now. Uh, maybe you, again, you could, you could maybe throw Bozeman over there, but, uh, it, Bredesen seems to be kind of the, the long-term option. Like we've mentioned a few other guys, uh, Ben Powers being a, a great example of a guy that maybe Baltimore was grooming to be a starter in a year or two, but, uh, that hasn't necessarily panned out that way. Right. Well, with, with Bredesen, he has historically short arms for his height. He's six, five, but 30 and a half inch arms. I think it's in the first percentile for his for his height. It's really a significant problem. And I know guys with shorter arms and the Ravens have had a number of them. If you can, you can do a better job hiding those guys at center than you can at guard, in my opinion. So you, if, if you, McCary is another short arm guy. Yonda had some, has had arm length issues, but, uh, but not as severe. And then the other one is, who am I missing? Bozeman has short yeah. arms. So it's it's a it's a interesting group because they they definitely have emphasized arm length this off season with the pickups of Fluker who's got historically long arms fifth longest in combine history and Phillips who's over 35 inches which is unheard of for a guard uh, those are those are exceptional um, get to the armpits pivot through. Uh, that primarily right-handed run game that the Ravens have, and then you have a guard running behind them who running full speed is is going to have some ability to deal with contact differently. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, speaking about center and, and, and short arms, I mean, that does seem to be kind of the, the path for Bredesen, who I know the Ravens have talked about his football intelligence and coming from Michigan, that certainly helps. But uh, 
uh, a smart guy and, and, you know, I've talked about it a few times. You you want your smartest offensive lineman in the middle of that field. Uh, he's the guy that's going to be making the calls. He's the guy that's going to be changing protections and things like that. Uh, so Bredesen really does seem to be kind of being groomed as a, a center in the future. But as of right now, maybe a, is a backup guard uh, that that they wouldn't necessarily love to put in there, but they, they can if need be. Fourth round version of John Urschel. We. Uh... Now, Herschel, obviously a brilliant guy and and uh, had other alternatives in life. But uh, I hope Bredesen will stick with football, given the Ravens drafted him <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, makes sense for him. Fifth round pick. We're starting to get into people who there there might be some small chance they might not make the roster. But Broderick Washington uh, was number 170 at defensive tackle. I think he's kind of an important piece to get the defensive line younger. Can you see a scenario in which he's not he does not make the team? I can actually, and and we talked about it before, but Baltimore is veteran leaning, and you've got you know uh, Justin Ellis in there right now uh, as my primary backup behind uh, Brandon Williams. While they do need to get younger, they only have so many spots available, and and for a fifth round guy, you know maybe that's a guy that they wink wink nudge nudge slide on IR. Maybe that's a guy that they you know maybe try to sneak onto the practice squad in some fashion. Uh, it really depends on how many spots they, they make available for the defensive line. Last year, I know they only kept five guys heading into the season. That proved to be a, a costly mistake for this team. Uh, I doubt they make the same mistake, but can they afford to keep seven or eight guys uh, in order to make a guy like Washington make sense? That's going to be an interesting discussion, I think, uh, for this coaching staff in front office. Okay, so going through my 53, the thing I, I – told myself or I convinced myself of was that this is going to be the first year the Ravens ever keep 10 offensive linemen. And my theory is that, that Matt Skura will make the team initially and then be put on IR after the rosters have been decided on Saturday. And that they really are, they, it allows them basically to stash an extra offensive lineman to be a replacement at midseason. And of course, the high BMI players, offensive and defensive line, are the are the biggest risks for COVID. Uh, should anything happens, if they need to leave or whatever, defensive line, I think similarly. I think that that the opt outs that have occurred so far have created such a dearth of talent um, at those spots that I think you really don't want to be shorthanded on the defensive line either going into the season because you may it, it, September you may have December like street talent, you know, out there that you can you can choose from. That's a great, uh, great point about COVID and, and one that uh, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't taken into consideration. And, uh, you know, Baltimore has been very lucky. They haven't really had anybody get uh, get hit with it. Nigel Warrior, when they all re- returned to camp for the first time. But um, that, that certainly has to be a consideration. And those big guys in, on the in the trenches are, are the guys who most likely are, are going to either get it or. Uh, are going to have the worst side effects from it if yeah. they do get it. So uh, that that makes sense to go ahead and load up the trenches. And and uh, you know it's also a position where the size and shape is more difficult to find the guy you want. If you want an extra wide receiver, extra running back, it's, those are both deep size and shape pools. The offensive line and the uh, defensive line, uh, much more difficult size and shape pools to get exactly what you want in a in a a player there. So I, I think Broderick makes it. I, I think honestly, all the Ravens you know, draft picks are going to make it because of, of uh, um, how they approach this. And, and, uh, and also the lower guys, I think all have some 
decent seeming prospective value. There isn't a guy who's just stunk it up in camp and um, doesn't look like he should he should be on the team or has a has a big conditioning issue like was the part of the problem I think with Snacks Myers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and while you mentioned it, maybe Washington hasn't had the greatest camp in the world. He he certainly hasn't uh, he hasn't stunk it up. We haven't heard any terrible reports about him getting pushed off the ball uh, uh, terribly far or anything like that either. So uh, it, it would certainly make sense if Baltimore wants to keep that depth there. That Washington would make it just as a pros- prospect guy, as a developmental guy that right. maybe won't get a ton of snaps, but yeah, you, know, you, you got to keep him on the fifty-three just to keep him on the team. Yeah, in all honesty, he'd probably be inactive every week. Because if you have yeah. Ellis as well, you you just you'd have Ellis active, and he won't get an opportunity unless there's an injury anyway. You got to have, I guess it's five guys inactive this year because they're allowing 48, but they are yeah. also allowing eight offensive linemen this year, or actually requiring the teams to have eight offensive linemen. I believe it's you have to have eight to get the spot, and I haven't seen the detailed rules on that by the way, Matt. Have you? Because why can't Patrick Ricard say be designated as an offensive lineman and the Ravens go with seven on a particular <laughs> day? And you can always report eligible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, the, all the rules, especially relating to COVID and the new CBA, uh, have been complex and it seems ever changing. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I personally haven't seen any any of those rules uh, uh, or at least the understanding of them. Um, but yeah, it, all those things are definitely considerations for this team moving into the season. All right. All right, well, uh, let's see. We talked a little bit about James Prochet. So num- number seventh round picks, one of my favorites is Geno Stone, the safety. Uh, from Iowa, a PFF darling at number 53 overall in their in their books. What do you see him as being being able to get on the field in in 2020? Uh, honestly, uh, out of his training camp thus far, I mean, again, like we've talked about with all these players, nobody's really stunk it up. But Geno Stone hasn't been making the plays that Nigel Warrior's been making uh, as an undrafted free agent and as a seventh round pick. Uh, they're kind of maybe going to be viewed in the same light in terms of their their value. A seventh-round draft pick isn't worth the same as a fourth-round draft pick in terms of long-term prospects. Um, So, again, as we talk about these are the final few spots on this roster, if Baltimore wants to keep three uh, quarterbacks, if they want to keep four running backs, if they want to keep some more depth in some other spots along the offensive line, safety is a position where you could potentially go ahead and, and, and shave things down. And in my mind, if it's between Geno Stone and Nigel Warrior, I'm going to aim with Warrior. Uh, uh, stellar college resume in terms of his stats, and he's been showing up in training camp at least more than Geno Stone has been. So uh, in my mind, I kind of have him as being a 50% chance it really all comes down to where that depth is at that, that Baltimore wants to keep but Earl Thomas being cut certainly helps everybody right I, I agree with that I think there's a couple of things actually going in his favor I think he is a safety who can play on multiple levels that may be true of warrior it may not be in terms of being a split safety on the back end in the dime package that's where the real opportunity is for the Ravens is to get the, a third safety on in the dime package that specific role is not one Levine can play at this point in his career. He can't play on the back end and be relied on. He's very good in that dime back role being up front, or at least he was two years ago when he had the best year of any Ravens dime in their history. But I don't know if I, I wouldn't trust him on the back end, even though he's had some flexibility over the years, some versatility over the years. Geno Stone is the guy I would trust back there. And Warrior is a guy I think that uh, Stone also comes with a more impressive Pedigree, I think, from from scouting from college. Would you agree with that? Then Warrior. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think Warrior is what out of 
Tennessee or I can't remember what's exactly what school he's out of, but, but Geno Stone comes out of a, a far better school. And, and uh, I know Baltimore, the coaching staff and Eric DaCosta made a, a point of saying they wanted to go after guys with that type of a pedigree uh, throughout this draft process. So if they are leaning a specific way, uh, Stone's, Stone's college resume might uh, speak a little bit more to him. Yeah. Nigel Warrior, four-year starter, sorry, four-year player, three years as a starter at Tennessee. So that, that's impressive. And he had four interceptions in, in 2019. There had to be something about him that, that obviously people didn't like. But I would agree with you. I think he, he makes the team on opening day, but he's one of a couple of spots where I think the Ravens may cut him initially and bring him back after they have the old switcheroo game with a couple of guys they're trying to get through to IR. So uh, he'd be he'd be one guy. I think also the Ravens have a, a high degree of ambivalence among the third tight end, which is going to give them an option to um, sneak somebody through onto IR because they really don't need any of those guys specifically. They need a guy. Yeah, exactly. And and as you mentioned with tight end, uh, we, we talked about earlier, Patrick Ricard. That's an option for them as well, where they can always just move Ricard over there to take that third spot effectively, get him on the field a little bit more because they really like what he does offensively uh, without having to necessarily use up a roster spot uh, when everything's all said and done. But it, it is going to be a game of, of injured reserve and kind of rotating guys around after the initial cuts get made. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out with the fiddling uh, in, in the few days after the cuts are actually made. Right. Now, the best players that they can do that with, if they, if they if they put Nigel Warrior on it, he's he has to go through the waiver process. So somebody actually might pick him up, even though I think practice squads will be pretty sticky this year from the fact that nobody's seeing anybody else's camp or nobody has film on anybody else. Yeah, exactly. And and that, I think, is going to be uh, the the big asterisk here. You know, certainly there, there's not as much film. Uh, you're you're going to have to go back to college stuff. You're going to have to go back to what beat reporters are putting out, which I know a few teams are doing. Um, because, yeah, you, you've never seen these guys live in an NFL setting. So uh, it, it's all guesstimation by literally every team at this point. All right. All right. This is a great run through, Matt. I appreciate you doing this with us and uh, and coming on. Tell folks where they can find your work in this article in particular. Absolutely. You can catch me at Ravenswired at usatoday.com, or you can catch me at Matthew S underscore NFL on Twitter. All right. Great. Good conversations with Matt. Definitely a good follow on Twitter. Make sure you you, uh, do that. And uh, if you have another film study topic, a film study short topic you'd like to discuss with me, please don't be shy about it. Send me three bullet points, direct message on Twitter. Uh, We turn these around very quickly. In fact, I just talked to, to Matt within the last hour and we're already recording this now uh, and probably could have done it even sooner. Uh, Appreciate you coming on, Matt. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you next time on film study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.
Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big money. 